This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution. That will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure, long gone. Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It is episode 15 of season three, Cubs position players report. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials, 5 the W670 on Twitter, Instagram. Of course, we're on Facebook. Or you can email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. And who knows, Crowley and I might answer one of those live on the podcast. Crowley, uh, happy President's Day. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great day. Position players are reporting. And Dustin, I had to go down to Wrigley Field myself, and I got one of these nice new spring training hats. You see this right here for those of you on 670 The Score podcast. And Dustin, I waited just for this moment. Yeah. That'll there boy. you go. Thank you. Taking it off for you. Thank the, you. the sticker well, is gotta off. You got to take the sticker off. I don't, get, <laughs> I don't get the idea. I don't understand. I don't understand the idea of keeping the sticker on the hat. I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it. Somebody's going to have to explain that fashion statement to me. I don't get it. It's off. And it's. It, I think it's awesome. I think it's a cool looking hat. And so I'm happy to pick one up. Thanks to my guys at Wrigleyville Sports. Uh, Dustin, position and catchers reported last Wednesday. Now, like I said, position players are reporting. The last big name to show up to camp was Christopher Morell, who arrived on Saturday. But Dustin, to be fair, he played winter ball, so he was away from home um, longer than a lot of other players. So, you know, no problem there. Uh, but good to see him smiling in camp. There are, Dustin, 59 players in Major League camp. We talked last episode about the 33 pitchers and six catchers. That leaves 20 other position players, and they are going to begin their work today, Monday, when we're recording this. And in this segment, we're going to look at the infielders in camp. And Dustin, for the majority of these guys, most of these guys were on the team last year, and you figure that most of these team guys are going to break camp with the Cubs. Um, obviously, you have Michael Bush, who's new, Nico Horner, Nick Madrigal, Miles Mastrobani, Matt Mervis, Christopher Morell, Dansby Swanson, Patrick Wisdom. And then you have some minor leaguers that are just not – unless something amazing or catastrophic happens, are not going to make the team. That's uh, David Bodie, Luis Vasquez, Chase Strump, and Matt Shaw. They're, those are the infielders in camp. And so we clearly have two locks up the middle that are making this team in Dansby Swanson and Nico Horner. 
But Dustin, new manager Craig Council told the beat, repi- beat reporters the other day, winning is about preventing runs and it's about scoring runs. You've got to consider all of it when you figure that out. Which players do more, you never can tell, but we have enough offense to win a whole bunch of games. What do you think a whole bunch of games is to you, Dustin? Yeah, well, it's more than, you know, you need to win more than 83. 83 won't get it done. 83 is not enough. It might be in this division. This division is not that great. 83 might be enough, but you don't, the, you don't have that old way where you played the division teams more, right? So it's a more balanced schedule now. Um, right. I, I, I would love somebody to, to amplify it on that, right? A little follow-up, if you will, um, you know, but okay. Like, again, I'm willing to see, I'm willing to see. It's not March 1st yet. Mm-hmm. March 1st is going to be my absolute panic button time with this whole thing. So let's see. But he he also, what I didn't like, and I don't know if we're going to get into it today, but he also talked about like, you know, don't put too much stock into what's happening out at spring training as far as wins and losses. Okay. But you know, if Dansby Swanson's 0 for 28 again at spring training, I, I got a problem with that. You know, if Christopher Morrell can't field a ball at third base and has throwing issues getting over to first, I got a problem with that. So don't tell me that that doesn't matter, Craig, because it matters. Yeah. Now, now we know, Dustin, that Nico and Dansby are one of the best double play tandems in baseball defensively with both winning the gold gloves in their respective positions. The question is, can the Cubs get more offense out of each player? Because, Dustin, they're going to have to make up for those numbers that Cody Bellinger put up last year. Now, it may not have to be – it's not going to be one player – uh, unless they do sign Cody or some other big name, but it has to be somebody, you know, everyone chipping in a little. And Dansby, to me, um, is a guy that you look at right away. He was down in pretty much every offensive category in 2023 from the previous season. So in 2022, Dustin, his walk year with Atlanta, Dansby slashed 277, 329, 447 with 25 home runs and 96 RBIs. Last year with the Cubs, his first year, he slashed 244, 328, 416 with 22 home runs and 80 RBIs. So the average was down about 30 points. The OPS stayed roughly the same, and the slug was down about 30 points. And so, you know, he's some more. We need more slug out of him. The, The Cubs need more slug out of him. There's no doubt about that. Now, Dustin, the one thing I did look at is he improved in strikeouts. So he struck out 182 times in 2022 compared to 154 in 2023. So maybe the strikeouts go up, but so does the slug. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. He did slightly better with runners in scoring position, slashing 267, 381, 460. But to me, Dustin, if the Cubs are going to battle you know, for a postseason spot, you're going to need more out of him. I mean, he's your highest paid player. Right. And I know and again it goes back to don't you know he had a rough spring. He had a mm-hmm. he had a rough spring last time. Oh, tap the brakes. Well, it carries over. You don't just all of a sudden show up at Wrigley or show up in a major league park and all of a sudden start hitting the ball because oh, well, spring training's over. Now it's go time. That, that's not so, you know, I understand the pitching. I, I get that they're working on things. The pitchers are working on things, situations, working on pitches, curveball, right? The curveball's no damn good out in Arizona. I, I get all that. But don't tell me that – I mean, I'm not worried about the, the wins and losses, but I am worried about the at-bats for sure, and the defense, especially because the Cubs are looking to replace third base and first base. We're going to get into that in a minute. Right. Now, Nico had a really solid offensive year in 2023. He slashed 283, 346, 383 with nine home runs and 68 RBIs. Nico's talked how he wants his power to go up. 
We'll see what happens. I remember, you know, Sandberg's another second baseman where Jim Fry told him, hey, you got to pull the ball more, and, and he started hitting more home runs. I just don't want to see him sacrifice his ability to get on base just for a few more home runs. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I hope he's not focused on hitting the long ball, just getting on base. That's what I want on Nico Horner. I, I think if you have this with Nico for his career at 283, 346, 383, I think that's fine. He was clutch with runners in scoring position, Dustin. He slashed 302, 358, 403. So when it came to guys that you wanted up the bat with runners on base, Nico was, was at like the top of the list for the right. Cubs. Yeah, it was him and Jan Gomes, right? Right. And so you got your middle interfielders locked up. We know those guys are there and nobody's taking those jobs. That takes us to the corners where the biggest question mark for this, where the, where the you know, that's where the biggest question mark for this team is. First base is going to be a battle of the left-handed prospects. Newcomer Michael Bush recently acquired from the Dodgers. He was the Dodgers 2023 minor league player of the year. But another lefty first baseman is Matt Mervis, who was the Cubs 2022 minor league player of the year. So both of them recently coming off minor league players of the years. Both had cups of coffee in the majors last year. Neither of them were able to do much offensively. Dustin, it takes time to be a successful major league hitter. It's a learning process. You're going to struggle. The question for me is how much rope will each player be given? So if Bush starts out struggling and Mervis is raking at AAA, when do they make a move and vice versa? Well, that that is interesting, right? I mean, I, I think you can pencil in Michael Bush as the opening day first baseman at this moment, right? Unless, obviously, there's an injury or – Mervis is awesome and Bush is trash, but otherwise Bush is starting at first base. I, I think they may have already given up on Mervis, to be honest with you. I, I think they might've already, I, I think that ship might've already sailed, um, but they have no other options. If you don't have Cody Bellinger, you got to have somebody play first base and DH every once in a while. It can't be Christopher Morell all the time. So Michael Bush better be, you know what, Michael Bush needs to be better than even advertised, right? Michael Bush needs to have like a really, really good year, the way the roster sits today, the 19th day of February. Right, and you and I have talked about this before. Mervis and Bush both dominate AAA pitching. There's there's nothing for them to prove anymore. And so one of those two guys has to take the next step to be an everyday player. And then whoever wins the job, you can figure you'll see a platoon with Bush and Mervis taking the bats versus the righties and with Patrick wisdom, taking the bats against the lefties. Craig uh, council was talking to the media about that uh, this weekend. And, you know, here, here's what Craig had to say about Patrick wisdom. Look, Patrick's had success in this league. Um, he's streaky. There's no question about it. I think he would tell you that. Um, and sometimes that's, that's hard, right. To find, figure out like, What's what's well, when is that when it when is it going to happen right? Uh, but but players with that much power and how he can change games and he can almost win games by himself offensively on occasion right with with just how he's feeling at the plate um, those are valuable. There's um, and then you find spots for those guys um, and so I think. You know, Patrick's in some competition this spring, um, and, he, and we're probably going to ask him to try some new things this spring, a little more first base this spring we'll ask him to try. But it's a bat that's um, really handled left-handed pitching, produced against left-handed pitching, and you take note of that. 
So, you know, with Wisdom being able to play first and third and with Pop against lefties, you know, for sure he's going to make the roster. I don't have any doubt about that. But I like what Craig was saying there because it is important that you ride the hot hand. If you remember, Wisdom was on fire in April and, and he, he absolutely demolished the Dodgers in L.A. And, and, and so when he gets hot, you got to ride that as hard as you can. And then when he starts cooling off, you might want to play someone else at that point in time. Right. Yeah. I mean, listen, he's a, he's a reasonably priced option that, you know, definitely doesn't break the bank, helps you out. Great guy. You know, him very well, Crowley couldn't be a, you know, a bigger, bigger, nicer guy out there than, than Patrick wisdom. So I'm glad that he is still with the team. And it sounds like Craig's got his role. You know, when there's a lefty starter, here comes Patrick wisdom, pencil him in. Yep. Now the biggest question of all on the infield is third base where we finally got confirmation of the Cubs plan Craig Council said this weekend, Christopher Morell has done so much with the bat. It's our job to figure out the best way to deploy it. Let's give him some consistency at third base and see where we're at roster-wise at some point in camp and then go forward from there. Dustin, uh, last year the Cubs went with a mix of Nick's Magical and Patrick Wisdom at third, but Morell needs, you know, according to the Cubs, you know, and Craig Council, Morell needs consistency at one p- position and third is the best fit for the team. What worries about all Cub fans, and you brought it up earlier, Morrell has been a below average by pretty much every metric on defense except for second base. That is the only place that he's played where he's been at least average defensively. Everything else, third, outfield, uh, shortstop, has been below average. And so the Cubs sent coaches to work with Morrell this winter when he played Dominican ball for Aguilas Cibaeñas. Um, working with him at third especially, but there's no question about his offense. He's a big swing and miss guy, but the Cub, but he gives the Cubs a ton of pop. Last season, Dustin, he slashed 247, 313, 508 with 26 home runs and 70 RBIs in only 107 games. Remember, he doesn't come up until the beginning of May. And so he averages one home run at roughly every 15 at bats, which is pretty elite. So it it you know he does he's going to strike out a lot he's going to hit a lot of home runs but that's no different than Kyle Schwarber right right absolutely good good comp good comp you don't want him striking out as much as Schwarber and he's probably <laughs> not probably he's a better overall defender than Schwarber even though Schwarber has turned into a pretty solid left fielder he really worked hard at it. so Morell was asked by the beat reporters about playing third base here's what he had to say. If they give me a chance for playing third base, I give my best. I'm going to try to show hand, try to the cops. I can play in third base. In winter ball, you did you played third, right? Yeah, I played most of the time in third base. How did it go? Really good. Yeah. I make uh, make it some place. <laughs> Last year at this time, you said that was your favorite position, right? Yeah, I've been more comfortable in third base. I play most of my career in third base. What what's important? Just making that throw accurately is that the biggest challenge for you? We work in that. It's a challenge for me. Like I'm trying to get more control, from more consistently, and we work in that. We we got you here. So a lot of interesting things in there. Number one, he said he's most comfortable at third. So well, that's and that and that's a big that's a big part of it, right? Now whether he's saying what he should say. Hopefully he's telling the truth, but that's important. It's important that he feels comfortable there personally. Right. And he, he's willing, he's willing to give it a shot. Now, again, there's a lot to playing the position. And the thing that worries people the most is that throw to first because he kind of drops his arm down a little bit 
instead of throwing over the ball. And so you really, this is going to be a lot of work that this coaching staff is going to put in. You just got to kind of be careful not to overwhelm him, but it's, it's, it's everything, you know, it's, it's footwork. It, it's, it's the throw. It, it's getting in front of the ball. It's knowing, you know, where to position yourself. So, you know, I watched him play in the Dominican and I saw him make some really spectacular plays um, sometimes I feel like he kind of struggles with the more routine plays. You know, he obviously had some errors, but I think sometimes he struggles with the routine plays more than the difficult plays. And you see that sometimes the players, you know? Yep, yep. Last season, though, Nick Magical played 72 games at third. Patrick Wisdom played 61 games at third. Miles Mastrobani played 29 games at third. And Jaime Candelario, no longer on the team, he played 19 games at third. So my guess, Dustin, is I could see all of those guys still being on the team, Magical, Wisdom, Mastrobani, and, 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 you know, you'll see some combination of that group on the bench along with uh, Talkman. But uh, the young prospects, Luis Vasquez, Chase Trump, and Matt Shaw, they get a chance to work with the major league coaches, hit against some major league pitching, and get some really valuable experience in their first big league at camp. And then David Bodie obviously is just some insurance and isn't going to hit the, you know, they're not going to make him go into the backfields with like 18, 19 year old kids. So those four guys are, are you know, again, again, unless someone is fantastic or there's a catastrophic problem, those guys will start out in the minor leagues. But, you know, like I said, especially for those young guys, a good chance to get some experience. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Fly the W670 podcast, Season 3, Episode 15, Cubs Position Players Report. Don't forget, listen, download, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast, and don't forget to leave those five-star reviews. In this segment, Crowley's talking to Steve Greenberg, the sports columnist from the Sun-Times, on the Cubs players' early impressions of the new skipper, Craig Council, and the impact he left on the former team up in Milwaukee, the Brewers. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I am so happy to have on Steve Greenberg of the Chicago Sun-Times. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm good, Crawley. You, you've got me in my sprawling uh, presidential suite <laughs> in, in Mesa. Uh, it's not it's not a 
dingy little hotel room at all. I don't want anyone to think I would stay in a room like that. I got to tell you, I mean, it, you know what, it's where you put your head down. And once you're in Arizona, it don't matter. I, I've, I've done a lot of couch surfing in my days. No shame in it. I think it looks great. Right uh, <laughs> the reason I wanted to have you on other than just loving your articles is that you wrote just such a good article today about Craig council, you know, and I think for cub fans, when David Ross got let go, it was really a shock, you know, being a, you know, a, a world series hero and kind of the whole grandpa Rossi folklore. And then when he was gone, it was like, wow. And I think, you know, the fact that Craig council is in Milwaukee, a lot of cup fans kind of still have some bitter feelings towards him. But after reading your article, I think a lot of our listeners would really enjoy what they're going to get with Craig council. You know, it's funny listening to you say that I'm thinking, you know, who was at least as shocked as cub fans, if not more by, by what went down with Ross is, is Ross and, you know, Cubs fans, however they feel about it, um, even the ones who love Rossi the most, I don't think, you know, feel it any more than or even as much as Brewers uh, fans felt Council's move. Um, the owner, uh, Mark Adnazio, on, you know, down as I have in the story, you know, they were they were uh, uh, taken way aback and probably a little offended in some cases. And, and yes, not just because he left, but because he left for the Cubs. Uh, I think a lot of times we leave, you know, we, we, we leave that for the fans and assume that players, they don't really feel these allegiances, you know, they're not from where they play and all that. But in this case, it, it uh, you know, it, it shocked the senses up in Milwaukee and probably still does. But yes, I mean, those Brewers players love council. And um, he loved the Brewers. And, you know, what he's got to do is transition uh, all that sort of innate uh, goodwill and good feelings and, and momentum and vibes and all that in one place and make it work in another. It's not always easy. We've seen a lot of great coaches change teams, change conferences, change levels, college, pro, whatever, and struggle. So no guarantees, but you know, he's, he's widely viewed as one of the best for sure. And I just love the fact that, you know, Wade Miley, who pitched with the Cubs in the 2022 season, he's rooming with Jan Gomes in Arizona and he just shows up to Sloan park. I mean, I mean, that's gotta be a surprise. I mean, that must've been an interesting interaction, huh? Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. The things you find out when you talk to any player or coach or anybody in Arizona, you find out just interesting little tidbits about how they're living or, or who they're living with. And yes, the fact that Miley and, and Gomes are living together, I mean, who would have guessed, who would have guessed, who would have <laughs> guessed that, you know, buy Jan, buy Wade, and they pick up their ba- uh, baseball bags and leave for different camps and, you know, come back at night and, and compare notes, I guess. And, and these are two rivals and all that, but it's really, I think it's uh, charming and cool. And they're, they're two really, you know, easy to like guys, different kind of in a in an odd couple way you know Gomes is so serious um and Miley's such a just a fun uh easygoing type of guy but obviously they're good buddies yeah and and Miley in the article you quote Miley is saying everyone's prepared but the way he's prepares he's ready for every scenario every situation there's confidence about him he's run it through played the game in his head before it happens he covers everything and when I read that quote, I just said to myself, I keep hearing that word prepared. It doesn't matter who's talking about him. That's one of the first things everybody says. 
I, I don't, you know, I, yes, first of all, he is known for that. And it's true. I, I and I don't mean to sound cynical. I think it's probably just because of what I do, you know, for a living. I mean, the honeymoon is always wonderful and, and, and only good things are said about every new coach or manager. Um, and so of course, you know, I mean, last year at White Sox camp with Pedro Griffol, it was, it was so unbelievably, uh, uh, such rave reviews coming from everybody in the, in, within the White Sox and a year later, look at it. So, Council, though, yes, he is he is famously um, not just prepared, but I think um, he's 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 calm. He's he's unruffled. And uh, uh, I think that helps. You know, it's funny talking about Miley. He 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 gave kind of a tell about council, something I would noticed but didn't really realize I'd notice it. If you think of Cubs Brewers games and, you know, maybe something's goes the Cubs way and it's tense. You kind of, and then they show counsel in the dugout. He's kind of doing this. He's kind of rubbing. <laughs> Miley said, that's, that's you know, basically the only time, you know, he's a little bit nervous, but it'll pass and pass quickly. So he's a cool customer. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, off to a great start. Of course, we're a couple days in. Now, you know, my partner and I, Dustin, you know, he said, we, we've asked before, you know, do you think the Cubs get rid of Ross if it's not council? Was that the only manager that they would have made that move for, do you think? I, I, I don't know the answer, but I would guess yes. Um, I, I mean, they, I don't think they were lying when they indicated um, that, that Ross was safe. Nobody ever just plain outright said it or guaranteed it. I think that was kind of, uh, mischaracterized a little bit in the way this was reported or, or, or discussed in the aftermath. You know, and as I think back to Tom Ricketts and Jed Hoyer and how they discussed it, I was there in Milwaukee when Ricketts addressed Ross's future. He didn't say, I guarantee he'll be back. You know, he said, he's our manager and, 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 and I think the world of him, I think he's great. And we, you know, and, and, uh, but at any rate, counsel, yes, was this was unexpected. I don't know how long Jed thought about it, but everybody else thought he'd stay in Milwaukee, go to the Mets or leverage the talk with the Mets, you know, for more of what he presumably wanted in Milwaukee, which is not just salary. I think more than that, it was payroll. Um, and uh, the, the Brewers have tightened things up. They tightened things up last year and won anyway. How much of that was counsel? You know, I, I mean, when you look at who they had on that team in the first half before the trade deadline for them to have been where they were at that point is remarkable. And so, yes, I mean, Ross did not overachieve with that Cubs team last year, no matter how the Cubs characterize coming back from, I think 10 down to 12 up, you know, um, they weren't a playoff team. It, it, lesser rosters have made the playoffs. They probably should have made it. And I do think Hoyer feels more so than he lets on uh, that they didn't just, you know, unfortunately miss it, but that they should have made it. And that was yeah. a real black mark on Ross. But a lot, of, a lot of times, you know, you get you get more than one of those. And in Ross's case, he didn't. Now, I'm sure you were at the press conference yesterday when uh, Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins and Craig Council were meeting the media. But one of the things that I kind of heard a bunch of was to talk about young players and how valuable young players are. And 
you know, the Cubs have one of the top rated farm systems and you talked to William Contreras, uh, Wilson, Wilson's little brother. And he talked about council as constantly comfortable and giving you confidence. And he was always real and kept it a hundred percent truthful. You know, I, I keep thinking with all these young players in the pipelines, you know, I think they're looking at someone like Craig council to get the most out of those young players. I think it's what they need. You know, I, I'm, I'm, older now than I used to be. And I have young adult kids. Um, I was in the Brewers clubhouse today and, and I just overheard something and it was so sweet Crawley. And it kind of touched me. Uh, there was a, uh, there were a couple players. They were, I, I assume they were prospects. I didn't recognize them. Uh, they looked very young and they didn't know each other and they were talking and, and they introduced each other and they're getting to know each other. And, and, and one of them started talking about uh, his dad, and he just kept talking about his dad. And I thought, gosh, here's a kid who misses his dad. It, you need to be shot straight when you're uh, – it, it doesn't matter if you're making money or if you're you know, attached to fame or even have some already. You know, you're striking out in the world and living, if not alone, maybe alone, maybe, you know, but, but – um, probably pretty far flung from the nest, you know, yeah, you need people who, who uh, treat you. They don't have to be fatherly, but they have to be good to you. Uh, and I think that makes all the difference in the world. Sometimes veteran players are not good to young players. Sometimes they regard them as threatening uh, or, you know, just uh, uh, not, you know, in, not seasoned enough to be worthy of their, you know, attention or, or, or good intentions. A lot of players are great about it. Um, David Ross was one of them. You know, we, we've all heard about how he looked out for Jason Hayward and things you know, like that. Well, Council has a reputation for, as, as Contreras said, just being real uh, direct. And that's what Council said in his press conference a couple of days ago. He said, you know, the number one thing I want them to know is I'm just I'm going to be direct. And then he also, you know, talked about more idealistic things about uh, uh, you know, everybody being a part of something and all these things. But uh, yeah, I think he's got a, a good talent, so to speak, um, for that. And when you're like that with young players, it makes a huge difference. Now, one of the best parts of the article that you wrote in the Sun-Times is, is the, you know, the relationship between Council and new Brewers manager, Pat Murphy, who was, you know, Council was looking at possibly having him be the bench coach, but the Brewers did offer Murphy the job. That's going to have to be interesting the first time that they're facing off each other in opposite dugouts. Yeah, it's a great story. You know, and I, I, I don't know how much people in Chicago or Cubs fans at large you know, know it, know it yet, or know much of anything about it. But uh, the more you peel it back, I mean, there, there was a lot in that in that conversation uh, uh, with the new manager there that I that I held back for you know for later. Just unbelievably good anecdotes about their younger years, their friendship at Notre Dame, where Council played for Murphy. Murphy was a really young coach, and. Um, and, and and the different ways in which he saw something in somebody who was not regarded as 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 any sort of big deal, any sort of something, in uh, in baseball. And uh, but yes, they've they, they're they're great friends and uh, they're rivals now. 
and I do think it'll be strange for for each of them, um, not just to, to to you know to to battle each other and 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 you know one wins one loses. They've never been involved in a a, a game that they weren't on the same side in, but just to not be together, you know, it, that's kind of uh, what great friendship is. So it's a uh, an adjustment. Um, it's very hard for these guys to stay in touch meaningfully during the season. So even here in the Cactus League where they're close, um, not that Chicago and Milwaukee aren't close, they're not going to you know, run into each other. They're not going to spend time. It's, it's very fleeting, if at all. Um, and, you know, they've been, they've, been, they've been a pair for a long time. So it's a really nice story, and it will be interesting to, to see them go against each other. It doesn't – I like a little more bitterness with my rivalries. <laughs> it's more fun from my end. Um, there's not going to be much bitterness between them, but, but it, it is, Murphy did allude to the a possible brawl. And it, it's just a funny image of, of what would happen if those two collided. And Murphy used to be a, at some level, some kind of a boxer. He's kind of impressively <laughs> built 65 year old dude. I, I think I'd bet on him, but chances are they won't tangle. The, the thing that I loved about the article, too, for Murphy, you know, Murphy had some, you know, much more experience than Council did, obviously, you know, coaching, like you said, at Notre Dame and then uh, over, you know, being the AAA manager with the Padres and, and, and Council tries to lure him over, but the Brewers wouldn't let him go. Uh, but, but the fact that even with, you know, the amount of experience Murphy had, he talked a lot about learning from Council and, and that yeah. learning experience. And, and that, to me, was really an interesting part of the story. Uh Yes, I agree. I, I think that that's telling um, because, you know, the nature of their relationship was I mean, one guy was the one who gave the other a kid an opportunity to go to Notre Dame to play ball. Um, you know, there's a hierarchy set up there that you would think would sort of inform the, the their their relationship going forward. And so I thought it was pretty big of Murphy to say that, to frame it that way. Um he has a lot of head coaching experience. Uh, he was a great, an extremely successful longtime coach here at Arizona State, uh, the head coach. And um, so, I mean, he's 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 a he's not some you know guy plucked from obscurity. He's just a name that major league followers don't necessarily know or know well. But yes, he's someone who has been around, seen it all, and 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 who knows how instrumental he was in Council's success in Milwaukee. You know, we can't discount the possibility that Council without Murphy is not equal to Council with Murphy. Um, so that's something we'll we'll watch too. Yeah, and and you know, you're there in Mesa, and you got even walking around a little bit. Do you notice anything different about this camp than previous camps, or is it pretty much? standard for the first couple of days? Well, I haven't been there much yet. I've been to the White Sox. I've been to the Cubs. I've been to the Brewers. We're only a few days in. So I haven't noticed anything. And again, I'm pretty oblivious to a lot of things. I'm not sure I'd noticed that. This camp's different. There's different, always different people. There's always people I don't recognize. Uh, thank God we've got our beat writers who are around the team every single day. The, the 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 amount of prospects and coaches from from the organization who aren't with the major league club they know uh, it never ceases to uh, amaze me I but anyway the, uh, I'm I'm uh, I, one thing that was different obviously was was showed in, 
Imanaga being there and, and the contingent of Japanese media uh, who descended on the facility with all the television cameras and all that sort of thing. That is something I hadn't seen uh, at, a, at a Cubs camp in a while. Um, and that was interesting. You know, that's the kind of scene that you see. I mean, imagine what it's like over at the Dodgers and, and, and you know, around Otani. Um, and Yamamoto. Oh my God. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm planning to head over there in the next couple of days just to lay eyes on it. Um, I think that'll be a real scene. Cubs camp, not a huge scene and maybe Bellinger will come walking in like Dexter Fowler did way back when uh, and surprise everybody. That would be kind of a cool storyline, but so far no, no belly. Yeah, we're all kind of crossing our fingers and holding our breath on that one. And you were talking right. about the beat writers and you guys got Maddie Lee at the sun times. She does such a great job. Uh, Steve, I appreciate you taking some time. Like I said, for all our listeners, it's a really good article. It's, it's in the Sun Times. And uh, where, Steve, can they find you on the socials? Oh, well, somebody needs to find me. That's for sure. <laughs> I, 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 I need some, some, some finding. Uh, at SL Greenberg on, on Twitter. And, uh, and, and I have a professional page on this real, really cutting edge app. You're, it might be too cutting edge for, for, for your viewers. It's called Facebook. And I don't hey, even know my, they'd have to, <laughs> they'd have to find me, but it's where all the cool people are hanging out. Uh, I haven't gotten on Instagram yet just because, you know, I, I have no, no excuse. Steve, you take care. You save some sunshine for me and enjoy Mesa. All right. Thanks, man. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. It's episode 15 of season three, Cubs position players report. Don't forget, leave us a five-star review. Listen, download, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Crawley, we've got some uh, Scott Boris news. We've got some Tom Ricketts audio to listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is still going on. The, 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 the big five, the Boris five, Cody Bellinger, Matt Chapman, Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery are all still on the board in play. Dustin, with pitchers and catchers already reporting to camp, and now the position players arriving today on Monday, Boris has his clients working out in his facilities. Snell is training at a Boris facility in Newport Beach, California. Montgomery and J.D. Martinez are training in one in Florida. And Cody Bellinger and Matt Chapman are training in one in Arizona. Uh, you know, a lot of the teams that are interested in Bellinger and Chapman are all located in Arizona, including uh, the Cubs. He promises, Boris promises that his players will not end up behind in any way when they do report to camp. You know, Boris has been preparing this for years. He has his own facilities, his own trainers, his own support staff. So he's content letting this play out. And so as we sit here, 
Tom Ricketts met with the beat reporters in Mesa today and he shared his thoughts on the current situation. This is what Tom had to say. I mean, there has been some discussions, but just it hasn't become a negotiation yet. So, and until they're you know, ready to really negotiate, then there's not much we can do. And I, and I don't think, um, and I don't tell Jed what to do, and I don't, but, uh, but I, I also imagine like, you just have to wait for when it gets serious before you start talking about like, you know, what the end of money amounts are. But, uh, so we'll just see where it goes. Wow. All right. Wow. <laughs> it hasn't been a negotiation yet. And the other thing about he will not talk to Boris. He will he will leave that to Jed. He doesn't play that game. Boris likes to go straight to the owner. And Rickett said, absolutely not. I don't talk to the guy. Right. So there's been discussions, but not negotiations. I mean, if you look at that, you know, there's been discussions. Hey, we'd like you for this. And Boris said, hey, we will sign for this. But after that, there's nothing really is what you're saying is that there's no negotiation. So that that's that's interesting here. You know, Tom Ricketts also went on to say that the Cubs absolutely have what they need to be better than last year. I don't see any reason why we would not be favored to win the division this year. I don't I don't know how they're better without Cody Bellinger without replacing that offense. That's, right, but winning the division shouldn't be enough, right, Crowley? Winning the division is is not is not enough. That, that, Especially that's, yeah. That's just not that's just not enough because we talked about it earlier in the podcast. This division is not any great shakes. It's no. not great. you could put all of the teams except maybe the Pirates in a hat, shuffle the hat. You know, the first one to eight, the first one to 80 wins the division. I mean, is that basically what we're, come on, this is the Cubs. And how far away, how far away are they from that first um, luxury tax threshold? Very far away. They're not, they're not spending. Now I'm not saying you should just spend for the sake of spending. Um, I also did hear this morning that uh, Snell supposedly has an offer from the Yankees on the table. So maybe, you know, maybe if one Boris client falls, maybe it'll start a chain reaction, perhaps. Right. Little little domino effect. We'll see what happens. Um, You know, Commissioner Rob Manford also had a press conference. Everybody's out in their different respective spring trainings and, and, some good news. Rob Manfred is done with being the commissioner of baseball when his term ends after December 2028. So January 2029, we will have a new commissioner in baseball. Quote, Rob says, you can only have so much fun in one lifetime. I have been open with them, the owners, about the fact that this is going to be my last term. Dustin, I don't think I ever saw Rob Manfred look like he had any fun with baseball. No, you know, and famously uh, or unfamously, you know, the piece of metal comment and, uh, you know, listen, very few commissioners are liked, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a no win situation. You're working for the owners, you know, who, you know, how, again, unless your owner is winning, you know, spending and bringing championships to your city, the, the owners are the most hated people after the rival of your team. No, who likes the owners? Nobody likes the owners. Nobody likes the commissioners. You know, the only people that you hate worse than them are your absolute rivals like the Brewers and the Cardinals. I think that with Manfred, I may not have liked the job Bud Selick did, or if you want to go back even further, Faye Vincent or just different commissioners. I never questioned those Selig's love of the game. Correct. 
I do with Manfred. I don't know if he really cares one way or another about baseball. To no, be it's honest, bottom line. It's, it's bottom line. How much more money can I make the owners? How much more can I squeeze? That, that's what he cares about. And listen, now the, guess what? That's his job. Big picture. He works for them. He doesn't work for you and I. He doesn't work for the players per se. He works for the owners. Now, one thing you would agree with him, Dustin, is that he mentioned, it was mentioned to him, the idea of a signing deadline. And here's what Manfred had to say. We would prefer to have a free agent signing period, ideally probably in December, with a deadline that drove people to make deals to get things settled. And that's a conversation we've had here before. Other people have had as well. At the end of December, if you're not, then it's a one-year deal or something to that degree. Um, Manfred said, we actually made proposals to that effect to the MLBPA. He's talking about in 2019. They were not warmly received but certainly from an aspirational perspective, we'd rather have two weeks of flurried activity in December, preferably about around the winter meetings when you're all there to write about it. And, you know, we all get excited about the upcoming year. That'll be a project in the next go around, meaning the next CBA. Now, obviously, the MLBPA has rejected that in the past. And Scott Boris added himself, deadlines are death lines to the players. It's their death of their right because a player goes all that time to earn their right, meaning that the, the six to seven years plus the, you know, that you have to wait to become a free agent. It's an artificial reason not to get your value. Teams cannibalize deadlines. Boris continued, everything they would do would be around the deadline. I'll wait and get this value at this time because I have a deadline rather than what's the player's worth. So I don't see that changing, you know, as much as we would like it to, I don't see that changing. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. I didn't say it would be easy. I just think it would be better for the fans. And that's who that's who I'm here for. I'm here as a fan, as a member of the media. And that's what I care about. You know, that, that's who I work for. You know, if we're talking about who works for who, right? Um, Manfred works for the, the owners. And I, I like to think that I do what I do for the fans of the sports that I like to talk about. Right. And, and so that, that's kind of where it gets tricky. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, at, at this point that we're taking a look at, one other thing that Manfred said that would really get Cubs fans' attention is Manfred will be in charge of awarding the last two All-Star games, 2027 and 2028, if his term ends in 2029. And so the two teams mentioned – were the Blue Jays and the Cubs. So it looks like either the Blue Jays or the Cubs will get 2027, and whoever doesn't get that would be 2028. Manfred said, with respect of those two years, I'm strongly influenced by two things. One, when did you have the last game? Toronto stacks up pretty well on that variable. I think Chicago is older, and he's right. The Blue Jays hosted their last All-Star game in 1991 and the Cubs in 1990. But he also added the city being willing to step up on these issues is the other big variable. Our all-star events, which become most of the week, we need certain facilities and certain kinds of support in terms of security. And so the, the big deal that he's talking about is blocking off the streets of Addison, Clark, Waveland, and Sheffield. They don't want anybody to just literally pull up a truck next there and, yeah, and do something about awful. That. Yeah, they're really worried about security around the ballpark, no doubt. Now, but when I we were in the World Series, when the Cubs were in the World Series, if you remember, those streets were blocked off. Yep. I remember they had big snow plows, like 
two oh, yeah. or three snow plows blocking garbage the street trucks, like together. Right, garbage trucks, snow plows. Yep. Right. So you weren't getting through there. So I just I don't know. Now I have heard that because the city of Chicago did not help with the renovations of Wrigley, that was all the Ricketts. Uh, that that he would, you know, it's a way of punishing cities that don't help out teams with their stadiums. And I find it very interesting because guess who's asking for one billion dollars <laughs> for a new White Sox billion dollars? Yeah, yeah. I remember, I said that on this podcast. I said they didn't give the kids the Cubs one dime. I swear to God, I will be literally going to City Hall if they give the White Sox two pennies. I'm going to be that mad. Yeah, so. I get, I get your, I get where you're coming from on that. Huh. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it blows your mind, and then, you know, and the Bears are trying to get a stadium done at the same time, so it's, uh, it's really, uh, really, really interesting, no doubt about that. You've got a little uh, something on the uh, Jersey Gate, Crowley. Yeah, I didn't think we'd be talking about uh, jerseys when we're we're talking about uh, the beginning of the season. But yeah, Jersey Gate has kind of become a big thing. There are so, in case people don't know, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a nut when it comes to jerseys. I love jerseys, and for me, one of the things that I truly care about is a nice looking jersey. And a few years back, Majestic, who had been making the jerseys for the Cubs and MLB, were bought out, and Nike, and then to a lesser extent, Fanatics takes over. And so it, the new uniforms came out and Dustin, let's just say the fan, the, the players are not happy. They are being criticized for being a poor fit, looking cheap, inconsistent quality and small letterings. And this was great. Angels outfielder Taylor Ward says it looks like a replica. It kind of feels like papery. It could be a great when you're out there sweating. It may be breathable. I haven't had the opportunity to try that out yet, but from the looks of it, it doesn't look like a $450 jersey. So if you want the authentic jersey, what the players are wearing, it's called the Nike Vapor Premier. It's going to cost you 450 bones, Dustin, and it is non-refundable. No returns on these things. So uh, Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> Players are not happy. Miles Michaelis is the one that kind of started it, just how ugly the the uniforms look for the Cardinals. And then the only players, and it's funny, that are praising them, Mike Trout, Kensley Jansen, Corbin Carroll, Jason Hayward, are all signed to contracts by Nike. Well, there you go. Now, there is one There is one Nike uh, person that is saying something, that's Dansby Swanson. Um, he said he is reaching out to his Nike contacts to discuss them. He's all for the new material, but said some of the design decisions, like the shade of blue, like the cubby blue, just doesn't look right. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But I went down to Wrigley today. It's where I bought this tat. And when I was at Wrigley, I, I did take some pictures of the jerseys. Now, the store was closed um, that had the jerseys, the new jerseys. But I was able to kind of take some pictures through the window, and I can see what the players are saying. If you look, here's a Dansby Swanson jersey, but you see the logo right here. If you're on 670 The Score YouTube channel, it looks like it's like like steamed on. It's not stitched in. Yeah. Like if you're looking at my jersey right here, you can see the stitching, and it kind of comes up. It feels kind of like 3D. And so all the lettering and stuff, it looks all. Yeah, it doesn't look. It does. It doesn't look authentic. It looks like. 
it looks like a, a half price jersey, right? Or a knockoff, a non Chinese knockoff. Yeah. And, and so looking at this one right here, you could see the letters are smaller. The logo for the MLB logo, the red and blue one with the players swinging is much lower than it normally is. And the lettering is way smaller, which, you know, you want players to know who's who, or I'm sorry, fans to know who's who. It's going to be kind of harder to see it. And, and the bigger your name is, the goofier it looks. So, I, I mean, Pete Crow Armstrong's just looks ridiculous. So, I bet. I, bet. I just don't know how MLB, I mean, this is, this is your premier product. And if you're going to be charging people $450, the best you can do, because the Cubs give away replica jerseys all the time. They look just like this. They're basically, like I said, just kind of like steamed on. And it looks like garbage. They got to fix that. Got to fix that. There's no doubt about it. Lots of things need to be fixing with the Cubs. And if something happens, Crowley and I will be here. Don't you worry about that. That's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram. We're on Twitter. Of course, you can email Crowley and I, flythew670 at gmail.com. And you can watch us on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. Crowley, have a great week. We'll talk soon if need be. Otherwise, we'll be back at the end of the week. Yes, sir. And by that time, we'll know who the first pitcher is going to be for the first spring training game. Go Cubs! It's all over.